Sorry about that. Welcome to another edition of the Two Off the Tee podcast brought to you by IB Sports and Club Junkies and sponsored by Sabbath Golf. Sabbath Golf channels the history of the game while enhancing the weekend experience. They have an amazing selection of hats, t-shirts, golf t-shirts, towels, hickory alignment sticks, and even tees. If you use the promo code two off the tee with the number two at the beginning of that promo, you will receive 15% off any and all purchases on that site. That is go to sabbathgolf.com. Check out their products. I am your host, Keith Fleming. Uh, With me, as always, is my co-host, Scott Porter. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Man, I don't know if we can say as always anymore since I had to take a little hiatus last week, but I appreciate uh, Alan filling in for me. It's good to be back. I'm excited to talk about some golf. And, uh, ooh, we didn't think this would be a huge podcast, but I think it's it's probably going to be. Absolutely. Did the date go well? We talked about it on the podcast a little uh, bit last week, but it it had to be pretty (laughs) big for you to to skip a chance to talk golf with me. I think you made the right decision. I, you know, it definitely, it definitely, uh, she's a lot more attractive than you are, even though we're not face to face right now, we wouldn't have been, but, um, anyways, it, it wasn't so much that I had a date. I didn't really care about rescheduling. It was that I had already bought tickets and Joker is really, really, really good. Just to FY on that don't little plug the, there, but don't <laughs> what'd you say? I said, don't Dude, be I, cheap. I, I, I can understand go, the good I, part, but you started to say you bought it first. I did buy it first. Like I was, I had already committed to this. I couldn't, you know. Anyways, um, I'm I'm glad to be back. I'm excited to talk some golf, and we're gonna have a really really fun night tonight. And hopefully, uh, we all make some money at the end of it too. Absolutely. Uh, this week on the Two Off the Tee podcast, we're gonna be talking about my man, goodness gracious, my man, that goat man, <laughs> Tiger Woods, tying Sam Snead for the most wins in the history of the PGA Tour. At 82, uh, we'll, we'll recap the Zozo a little bit, but mostly we're going to talk about Tiger, what this means for his legacy, and then we're going to get into previewing the end of the Asian tour at the WGC in China this week, and finally our, our buddy Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy, a.k.a. Ivy Jesus, will jump on to go over his picks for the tournament this week. Me and Scott will give picks, too. Don't, you know, there needs to be a warning with me and Scott's picks, kind of like what's on cigarettes or or beer. But uh, (laughs) you ready to do this? Let's get right into this. Let's do it. All right. So unless you were living under a rock, uh, I'm sure you heard that Tiger the motherfucking Goat Woods Won the first ever Zozo Championship in Japan on Monday in Japan, Sunday evening in the U.S. at 19 under. It was uh, actually pretty amazing if you saw the rain that they got in between the first and second round on Thursday and Friday. I think it was literally classified as a typhoon, uh, so much so that they played, what was it, was it the 10th? That they played as a par, well, played it as a par four, but it was like 150 yards. Yeah, it was essentially right, a par Scott? three. Uh, I think it was the tenth. Yeah, it was essentially a par three. They, you know, it was still a par four due to the scoring, and they had already scored it uh, the first and second day, I think, like that. But yeah, it was man, the course to be able to withstand all of that and still be playable. I don't care if you do have to shorten the hole. That is insane. I can only imagine like 
two things. And and just so you you know, go on social media if you need to see it. There was so much water that this is like a 440-yard par four that they literally only could get the green uncovered, and that was pretty much it. They they got a small tee box area. What was even more incredible is if you saw for the third and fourth round, they had got the – I mean, the, the Greens crew did a, just an incredible job. But Tiger ended up 19 under. Hideki finished second, the hometown kid, at 16 under. And Rory, the king of the backdoor top five or top ten, finished tied third <laughs> with Sung Jae Uh Tiger won this tournament. It's his first start since the second leg of the FedEx where he was eliminated from the FedEx Cup competition and also his first since having minor knee surgery. It was just vintage Tiger in the sense that he used to do this in his prime all the time where we wouldn't see him for four or five months. And people would question, you know, how would he play? And he'd just come out and pretty much dominate. And he did that except for the first three holes. Uh, Tiger went out on Thursday, which was actually Wednesday. Wednesday. It's really confusing with it being in Japan. And bogeyed the 10th, 11th, and 12th, which are his first three starting holes. Uh, since 1983, bogeying the first three holes has happened 800 times on tour. We can thank Shotlink for this. And Let's put into perspective how amazing what Tiger did to not only go on and, and win the tournament, just come back the way he did. So we, we just mentioned there's 800 times this has happened on tour where somebody has made bogey or worse in the first three holes. The average opening round stroke average is 76.2. Tiger card is 66 with a 35 on the front and then shot 31 on the backside. 92% of the players who bogeyed the first three holes finished their round over par. Obviously, Tiger did not. Uh, 5% of the players finished under par. So if, if you're not a math major, at least 3% that shoot even par. 9.2 is the average number of holes it took for said player to get back to even or better in their round. So roughly by the 12th hole for those that got back to even or better, that's when they did. Tiger did it in four. After seven, he was even. He eventually turned it one at under. 2.4 is the average number of birdies made by those guys that bogeyed the first three. Tiger made nine. That tied the most ever uh, with one other gentleman. And then 16 of those 800 players finished in the top ten that bogeyed the first three holes. Obviously, Tiger is the only one to ever win it. It's just absolutely unreal. Uh, Before I get into Scott's thought, just some of the keys to Tiger's win. He hit 55 of 72 greens in regulation. That's third in the field. That's really good. That's vintage Tiger. He played the par threes at just a disgusting nine under par for the event, the lowest number of his career and the lowest in the field by five shots. It's something that we've always said about Tiger for, God, as long as I can remember, is just get him in the fairway, you know, or in this case, teed up on a green or a tee box. He's going to attack. He's such a good iron player, such a good putter. And then his putting, you may have noticed he has, you know, gone back to using that iconic Scotty Cameron putter, has a red cherry bomb on the back of it, a lot of people noticed it was covered up this week. He put some lead tape on it. He had been experimenting with that throughout the last season. Uh, and then, ironically, he's been working with a gentleman named Matt Killen, who, Scott, as a teacher, I'm sure you've heard this tip before. They told Tiger basically just to get his hands a little forward, you know, a little slight forward mm-hmm. press, something that a lot of putters use. Uh, it works. Tiger averaged 1.6 putts per green. That's first in the field. It's pretty good when you're third in greens and reg and first in putting. 
Uh, I don't know if you got to see all of Tiger's first round. It was really late night, but he made a boatload of mid-length birdie putts. It seemed like all of them were moving left to right. He continued putting that way through the tournament, including ending the tournament style with about a 12 to 15 footer moving left to right on 18. Mm-hmm. We've seen glimpses of Tiger's ball striking in the past year and a half, but this is the first tournament where I truly saw like the old Tiger on the greens, which is a potentially very scary development for the rest of the tour. Scott, I mean, what was kind of your takeaways from this tournament? Oh, I've been so wrong for so long. Um, just really quickly, back to the very first round, he didn't fire a 31 on the front. He fired a 29 on the front for a 64. So he shot 64-64, which makes all the incredibly impressive stats you just listed even more impressive. It's honestly insane, everything that you listed. But here's the one that you have shared with me um, that I'm not sure if you were going to get well, back into or not. But back nine. Yeah, he, he shot 35-29. I'm oh, really I'm looking at his card right now. Yep, yeah, no, he, shot, right. he shot 35 29 for 64. So, anyways, incredible 66 64 <laughs> gold jacket, green, ga- green jacket. Who gives a shit? It is absolutely phenomenal <laughs> golf that he's playing and, 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 and played this week. Um, honestly, it, it wasn't the field of the tour championship, it wasn't the field of the Masters. Tiger proved to me that he is fully, fully, fully back, like prime Tiger this week. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Just, he was a machine. Even when he won the other two, like, he had glimpses where, like, you know, the field might have started to catch up to him. The field needed to make an error. He straight up dominated this golf course for four straight days. But the stat that turned the tide for me, and you shared this, I think, on IBN and Club Junkies, the fact that over his last 14 starts, he's had three wins, and he's winning at 21% of the time over his last 14 starts, back to the Tour Championship. That's incredible in itself to win 21% of the time you tee it up in a tournament. But then I read where you put on there where he has a career winning percentage of over 22, north of 22%. He wins. That is absolutely insane. I I completely underestimated that stat. Um, And (laughs) – you know, this week you just saw, like you said, you saw vintage Tiger Woods. I thought it was pretty cool how he how he talked about all of his putts were left to right, and uh, in that first round, and that just fit his eye. And like you said, it was 12 footer, 15 footer, 20 footer after one after another. It was insane. It was a spectacle to watch, and it was I I enjoyed every minute of it. What's amazing too is the fact that you know you talk about the 22 percent. And this is what I try to explain to people. This is with basically the six, seven-year gap where he had the worst, you know, basically stretch of his career for wins. Absolutely. You know, it still counts if he starts the tournament, missed the cut, starts the tournament, pulls out with his back, whatever. At one point, I believe it was 2010 or 11, he was actually at almost 26%, which when you think about that, to win – one out of every four times you tee, tee it up, it's it's superhuman. Uh, and I love the, the stat that he has won three times, basically since the 2018 playoffs. That is tied with DeChambeau, Kepka, and Rory for the most on tour. The difference is that those three guys have played a, a full, you know, tournament. 
schedule both years. Tiger has not. I think he's played basically, would you say, 21, 22 events. Uh, He is slowly rounding back into shape. And it's just the question is, is, we've talked about this, is he going to stay healthy? And to me, it definitely proved the knee was the issue because we saw him rounding into form after Augusta. You know, he had played well basically from the Tour Championship through there. And then kind of around Pebble or so, I think he had one other good tournament where he looked okay. And then from Pebble on, he just didn't look right. And yeah, now different. I'm starting to think that it, it was, you know, he had some discomfort maybe in his knee and he couldn't swing because, I mean, all parts of his game looked really well. And for him, he missed a lot of fairways. But the big thing, he was doing what he did in his heyday where he was missing fairways on the side you're supposed to with the better angle into the green, he was able to control his ball. And that was a pretty tight golf course. It was, it yeah, was it wasn't easy. Tight. Yeah, absolutely. It honestly, like, like I said, it's, it's one of the most dominating performances I've seen. And it's even more dominating when you consider that he did just come off of injury. He didn't have a start going into it. Uh, he did play in the skins game, which I actually kind of thought he looked a little rusty, but I think all four of he them looked, looked a little rusty. I think it I think it was just a weird format uh, for those guys. Um, you know, they, they kind of look like what a normal golfer would look like in a, in a PGA Tour setting where, like, the, it, the dynamic was just different and, and none of them played their best. Um, but when you, when you talk about Tiger, I know we, we've got a lot to, to cover, but I'm really mad at myself. I should have listened to you and others a long time ago. But at the same time, I'm, I'm glad that I, that I kind of kept my due diligence and kept – true to what I believed and, and that was that Jack was the greatest. Um and and I'll get into my spill in just a minute, but go ahead and continue. I got a lot to say. Well, I mean and and in fairness, before we go into this, I just want to let people know if you think Jack's the greatest golfer of all time, there there's nothing wrong with that. I, I truly believe that right. and I mean there's there no is case fairness. My dad Right, and my dad says all the time that if I'd have grown up watching Jack and Tiger, maybe I'd think differently. That may be true. I, I mean, I've read so much about Jack. I've read his autobiographies. I've read books by his competitors. And Jack was a beast. But I, I just try to tell people that greatest of all time, to me, encompasses several things. It's who is their best at their best. Uh, and just for this, because I knew we were going to be talking about this, I just wanted to go through – kind of a laundry list of stats because sometimes Tiger is so ridiculous that you kind of forget certain things. Uh, in the last 30 years, he has the most wire-to-wire wins at 14. Phil Mickelson is second with seven, so he's, he's doubled that. The most wins since the 2018 playoffs we just went over. I thought that was interesting because it's recent. Tiger's win percentage, as we talked about, is 22.8%. It's the highest ever. He's won 82 of 359 events. For comparison, Sam Snead won 82 of 585 at 14%, and Jack won 73 of 595 at 12.2%. I will say, in fairness to Jack, the last, like, 80, you know, he was pretty much washed up. That happens. It'll probably happen with Tiger, but still, that's a big disparity. I mean, he already has nine more wins than him and, what, 240 less starts, basically. So the most rounds led on tour since 1996. Tiger has 220. Second is Phil with 127. The tour average with a 36-hole lead the last 20 years is 33%. Tiger is 85%. Think about that. That's 50% better than tour. 
He's won 62.5% of the tournaments he's led after round one. By comparison, Jack has won 59% of the tournaments he led going into the final round. Think about that. Tiger has won more tournaments that he had a lead in the first round than Jack did, or at least at a higher percentage, it's not a total number, than Jack did with a lead going into the final round. From 1999 to 2002, Tiger won seven out of 11 majors. This is where I get into just his peak was just unrivaled. He was 94 under par for those 11 majors. The next closest competitor with 60 shots behind. During the 2000 season, Tiger had one round higher than 73. It was a 75 in the first round of Augusta. The average scoring that day, of course, was higher than that 75 at 75.8. Woods has won the scoring title nine times. That's four more than any under player. There are five instances of a player winning an event seven or more times. Tiger owns four of them. So of the five times that a guy has won a tournament seven or more times, Tiger's done it at four different events. He spent 683 (laughs) weeks at world number one. A player has won a major at 18 under or better ten times. Tiger owns half of those major wins at 18 under or better. He's the only player to win a U.S. Junior Am, a U.S. Amateur, and a U.S. Open. He's won all three of those events three times. Actually won the U.S. Junior Am and U.S. Ams six years in a row. There's match play in all of those. His nine USGA titles is tied with Bobby Jones all time. Woods completed the career Grand Slam at 24, the youngest ever by a few years. Only four other players have done that in their career. So Tiger, basically by the age of Bryson DeChambeau, had already won a grand, to put won all four Grand Slams. There's been five guys in the history of games that have done it. There's only been two instances of a player winning a major by 10 shots or more since 1900. Tiger's done it both times. He's 11-1 and one in playoffs, the highest percentage on tour for a minimum of three playoff starts. He has a 95% win rate when leading after the third round. It's 85% uh, after the second. His 46 wins before his 30th birthday would have placed him eighth on the all-time win list. He had accomplished that by the time he was 30 years old in basically nine seasons. He has 40 European wins. That's third most all-time on European Tour's all-time win list. He has never played a season on the European Tour. He's the only player since World War II to win a tour <laughs> event four straight years. He's done that twice at two different events. He's won five straight PGA starts three different times over the last 60 years. He is the only player to do so and has twice in his career won nine out of 12 starts. He has 142 straight cuts made, which was the record he set back in the mid-2000s. It will never be broken. He is the only person to hold all four majors in the modern area at one time. It's known as the Tiger Slam. That will never happen again. From 1999 to the middle of the 2001 season, again, this was Pete Tiger. He won 20 of 38 events. He was 472 under par for those 38 events, 307 shots better than the second-best player during that stretch. He eviscerated people. And he has 79-stroke play wins, three match play wins. And for the narrative that he doesn't come from behind, 23 of his 82 wins have included a final round comeback. And I do apologize for that long laundry list of why I think Tiger is the greatest. But that's only a small sample of the stuff that is out there. And it needs to be said that it's not just these numbers. It's the fact, and I've said on the podcast before, that 
I truly believe it gets harder to win on the PGA Tour every year. There's advancements in technology. There's advancements in uh, teaching. The uh, golf balls, you know, there's basically not as much disparity in talent anymore because they're all kind of brought together by equipment and teaching. And plus the game has just grown so much globally. There's so many good players from all parts of the world that there wasn't 30, 40 years ago, and there'll be even more in the future. So that's something that's going to continue to go. And I just think that he absolutely is the greatest of all time right now. And it blew my mind when I went on social media and – I'm sure you want to kind of go over <laughs> what you had posted. Yeah, go ahead, I mean, uh, okay, so I obviously am not as big of a Tiger fanboy as you are, although if he keeps on at this pace, I might be. Um, but I think a lot of that had to do with, one, I am young. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm, I'm 24 years old. So that means, in, like he just said, in, in 99 to 01, I was four to six years old. Um, so I didn't see a lot of that. I, the earliest memories I really have of Tiger is like winning the U S open with basically one leg and then the car crash or the, the wife golf club debacle and pretty much everything after that 2013 went in five times, but I wasn't into golf as a kid. I was into baseball. So I played Tiger Woods on PlayStation. It didn't, it didn't, click you know and even to this day it's still kind of you know when I talk about the greatest I'm like yeah but most of everything I've seen he's been really really above average I mean really great at the same time but you got to remember I've only seen him win how many majors has he won since I've only seen him really win what one major 08 to 19 right yeah yeah so essentially the Masters was the first major that I consciously watch every moment of Tiger Woods and, and, and play. So you, for those of you that, that, that hated on me and, and you know, t- call my take terrible and all this stuff, and it is what it is, that's, that's cool, but you have to understand kind of my background. I just got into golf, and so that led me to believe and knowing Tiger 08 to now, he's probably not considered to be the greatest of all time. You see what I'm saying? So in my mind, it, it skewed a lot of things, and it wasn't until you really got into my life and, and kind of broke it down and kind of made me uh, rethink everything, and so did my, my head pro, Sean, and, and a lot of other people. But at the same time, this week he did something that I said he had to do months ago. We started this podcast back before the Masters, and, and I told you then that if he, if he got one of the two big ones for me, which was most PJ wins of all time, or most majors, obviously he couldn't have most majors and not have most wins. But if he got one of those two, then I would call him the GOAT. And guess what? He just did, damn it. He just did. He proved me wrong ten times. He's won three times in the last 13 starts, which I would have never thought would happen. It's not fluke. He is, if he is healthy, he is just as good as anyone in the world at this moment. And because of the fact that he has won at 22% of his, of his career, like you said, 80, uh, 82 of, of, I think you said 349 or whatever it was, due to that stat, him now being tied for first of all time in PGA wins and 15 major championships, along with his unprecedented amateur record that you very well went over, six straight uh, junior AMs or USAMs, 
Tiger Woods, in my eyes, at this moment, is the greatest golfer of all time. And I will never for the rest of my life say that it's anybody else because he is that good, that dominant. And just, I mean, dude, all the stats you just gave, I can't even recite them with so many. Like, it's like when a rapper spits like a thousand great bars, but you don't remember <laughs> one of the bars because they were all so good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yep. it's insane, the list that you just went over. So kudos for that list. I know that took a lot of time to get all that info, but holy shit, man. Tiger Goatwood, y'all. I am, I am on that train. I hope y'all allow me to jump on the train because he is, he is now the greatest of all time, in my opinion. All right. Does that make There's you happy? Did you cry? Did you, the, I didn't cry. Did you, There's, did you tear up? There's always room on the uh, – no, because I, I knew eventually you would come. I mean, it's like what I tell people. Even as the biggest Tiger fan, I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to come back because I truly believed it was his body. His body was breaking down. Uh, and, right. and honestly, I, I think it's been that case since about 2011-12 because if you look, the, the two years he's been the most healthy uh, were 2013 and this last, you know, 16 months. I mean, it says a lot about his health that he had to have a minor knee operation and that's been one of his better you know, stretches of health, but he's won eight times basically in that two and a half year period. And I just keep telling people when he won the tour championship, it was huge because we all know golf's a mental game. And even when you're somebody as, you know, greatest Tiger Woods who nobody, I mean, well, other than Jack, nobody can understand the way he's, exactly like the the, the mental you game doubt, creeps into man. your head. Absolutely. But once he won that, I was a hundred percent confident if he stayed healthy, he'd won a major. Once he won that major, I really wanted him to get a one quickly. It didn't happen as quickly as I'd like, but for it to happen, you know, we're still only six months away from that win in Augusta. I'm telling you, all these young guys on tour that have said for the last three four years. Man, I wish I could have played Tiger in his heyday. I would have liked to go on Tiger. No, you don't. No, you didn't. Right. And you may be finding right. out in the real near future what it means when this guy gets rolling because, as you can see, and it was this tournament was a prime example, it doesn't matter where he drives the golf ball as long as it's on the golf course because he is so right. good exactly. uh, with his irons. He is so good with his short game. And his putter, I mean, it really was. It was the first vintage Tiger putting performance where I try to tell people, I can't even remember. Like, I couldn't make a top ten list of the most amazing putts Tiger's made in his career because there's been so many of them that have either been ridiculous or even more importantly, he needed it and he made it. I mean, I always tell people right. that the last great major or Tiger moment before the Tour Championship of the Masters was that 08 U.S. Open on one leg. What is forgotten is he went to that hole, down one. He hit a terrible layup from the fairway into the rough. So he's got a 115-yard shot out of U.S. Open rough. He hits it pin high. There's about maybe one guy on the planet that could do that. And Rocco Media, <laughs> if you've never seen it, watch. They had him, of course, on video, you know, watching him watch like they do in a lot of tournaments. He knew it was going in. This is a 20-foot putt at the U.S. Open to extend a playoff. And I just – I love the candidness of, of Rocco that 
when Tiger hit it and it went in, he goes, well, you knew he was going to make it. You knew he was going to make it. And he did. And I did. And right. everybody watching did. And that's just what this guy was. And it's been interesting that his putter has been the one thing, even at Augusta, he really didn't make a ton of putts. He just flat out, no, out mean, ball strike the field. He, he I mean, just last put on year, a clinic of. I mean, so you, you remember he went away from his he went away from his Scotty last year. He definitely had some putting issues going into before he won the Tour Championship. And he, I don't think I I really think this, like you said, this is the best we've seen him putt since the comeback. I mean, in three years. So it's it's insane. Um, I figured you would feel like a proud big brother. With me saying that, oh, I could, I literally couldn't believe it when I when you know you're scrolling through social media when you have a break or or whatever or trying to pretend like gonna, you're working I and I just it. I saw it and I was like what? <laughs> I was gonna save it for the podcast and and just announce it on the podcast with my boss and and everybody was giving me so much crap about Tiger winning and I just went ahead and I was like all right I'm gonna shut all of you up I'm gonna jump on the train while there's still room for me. And although I think there's probably room for everybody because Tiger's that ridiculously there's good always, and that big of a star, but <laughs> there's always room. I mean, I mean, seriously, this, what I hope for more than anything, and I keep telling people, is for for your generation. I, I have a best friend that has a 20 year old son, which is ridiculous in its own sense. But I, I've tried to tell him that he's a well, you old. You're old he, he, I am old. He also though has missed you know, kind of Tiger in his heyday. And it was just, I mean, it's like what I tell people. We know golf is in a lot of ways kind of a niche sport. It, it's definitely not catching front news, you know, on SportsCenter, except for one guy. And it's like when this guy was at his peak, he was so great and so dominant that they would leave SportsCenter on an NFL Sunday right before the playoffs with Tiger winning a tournament. And oh, well, I just hope that – the younger generation gets to see that guy. And I really believe we are now getting to that point to where if his body can hold up for three, four more years, he's going to A, put on a show, B, these kids are going to see that they do not want none of that smoke, and C, it is going to be an awesome end to his career for him to try to chase Jack's record. I'm trying to tell you right now, I still don't know if he can catch it because even if you told me if he got 20 good starts, uh, and the one caveat, my buddy John Hall always tells me this, that he could compete at Augusta until he's 55, and he's absolutely right. Like, there, there is no doubt 100%. that I see him, like, literally competing at a, you know, like, to have his jack moment at 55. Uh, and that was the one thing that I was interested in, the coverage of his Masters win. With so many people sort of, you know, seemed to act like this was the grand finale, and I'm like, have you been watching this guy? If if he can compete and stay healthy, he's not going to be satisfied with winning no. that and that being – I think he was just genuinely happy because he did it a different way. You know what I'm saying? He is, He's right. opened up to the public. Well, he's opened up to his counterparts. He's changed his life, and he still won. He didn't have to be the menacing character that he was for most of his career and he was still able to succeed. I think that's why he was so happy. And just, you know, honestly, he didn't know if it was going to happen because of, you know, his, his back and neck. Well, dude, so I have two things to say. Um, the sec- the first thing that, I'm, that I thought of just a second ago, Tiger fits in better with this generation of players. Like, he's opening up more, yes, because he's mellowed out because of his age, 
but he's not that kid that everybody looks at and, and is like, you're different than us, because they're all dressing like tigers. They're all acting like tigers. Golf has evolved to Tiger's world. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's fair. They all have, they all kind of have that Kobe Tiger mentality of, no, I'm going to get mine before you get yours. Like, whereas it used to be kind of like the good boys club. Like everybody was, you know, everybody was friends, even though there there was definitely rivalries, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying everybody was friends. I'm trying to say that that everyone was kind of equal except for Tiger. Exactly. Right. Like nobody was pushing the envelope where now you've got, you know, you've got Rory in bright pink shoes. You've got fashion statements. You've got um, obviously the Tiger Woods, the turtleneck and the, and the no collar shirt. You've got all this stuff that's changing in golf. And I believe most of that is because of Tiger Woods. And so he's more comfortable out there right now than he, than he probably even was when he was winning everything, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Like, this is a guy that we are seeing that is more comfortable and he's more like this generation, my generation, than he is the generation that was before him. So he's happier. He's smiling. I'm happy for him. That's not, that's not the important part of what I want to say. Go ahead. My whole thing it, w- regarding Tiger Woods is he's – no matter how good I think he is at this point, and I think he's top five in the world right now with the way he's playing, he still is going to have to pick and choose his tournament. Like, we're not talking about him going out and, and, and trying to win two, three, four majors in a year again like he, like he was doing in his prime. We're talking about he's going to compete at the, at the British Champions or the British Open, the Open, in the, the conditions that are good for him and the courses that he knows well. And he's going to do really well at the U.S. Opens that he knows that, he, that, he, that aren't too terribly long for him and he's going to do well at the Masters. I don't expect him to compete at a PGA Championship unless it's so horribly that, that his experience – it's so horrible outside that his experience comes to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's still going to have to right. pick and choose where, where those victories come and what he gears up to. And I think that's probably what he's doing best of right now. Like you said, he won the 2018 Tour Championship, and we're talking about how he has three starts. That's a long period – I mean, three wins and 13 starts. That's a long period of time for only 13 starts. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's doing oh, yeah. it in a way where he looks super healthy and he is healthy. Granted, we now know that he wasn't at the end of last year, in the middle of last year. But he's still giving himself the breaks. He's still giving himself the time. And I think that's going to be the, the biggest key to success. But, anyway, that's enough of me talking about Tiger. I'm tigered out. He's the GOAT. He, I'm saying it officially. What? He is the GOAT. One other thing that was interesting that you were just discussing, and, and I've never really thought about it, but maybe there's also just a comfort level that, you know, he was the enemy on tour uh, to a lot of those guys because, you know, if, if you're a Fred, and I know him and Freddie are buddies, but I'm just using that as an example, Colin Montgomery, right, exactly. you know, even a Mickelson or something, you've been on the tour for a while. Uh, you haven't got, you know, any of the attention and stuff, and this kid comes along and, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that uh, Faldo, uh, and I can't remember what player said it, but he came out uh, the week of his, the Masters that he won in 97 and said he planned to go out and win it. And somebody said, you know, he'll learn, uh, you know, because he was a 21-year-old kid basically saying he was going to win the Masters in his, his first, you know, big-time major as a pro. And then he went out and did it. 
And they just had never seen anything like that because he was different. Right. And now you've got a generation playing that has spent all this time looking up to him, and they may not like it if he starts dominating them. But, I mean, I know for me, if I was a younger person, you know, and played on the, the tour, I, I would think it would be amazing to be able to win or lose, be paired with Tiger Woods in a, you know, in a final round at, you know, Augusta or at a U.S. Open or what? Hell, it could be the damn Buick Classic, whatever, just to get to play with You're him, right. you know, experience that and know that, you know, regardless, this guy's 43, as great as he is, his years are numbered. If you're a Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler or whoever, you've got a long career ahead of you. And right. it, it's just been – it's really interesting. A couple more quick things before we, we get moving on. I, I did not flat-out pick Tiger last week on the podcast. I did say I really liked his chances. I loved him. He was 35-1, to 1, which I just thought anytime you can get Tiger at those odds, I'm I was about to say, any, if, uh, if I ever see it over 20 to 1, I'm, I'm probably going to take it from now on, just because you never know. What What was re- interesting to me was he came out and said a couple of things be- before the tournament. The, the, obviously, the President's Cup, we know, is him being the captain, and he does care about his image. I don't think he does as much as he used to, but he does. I, didn't, I don't think he wanted to pick himself, and there'd be a lot of lingering questions. And I'm not saying there would have been – a ton, but there would have been reporters out there have been like, well, you know, this guy's playing better, this guy's that, even though he's Tiger Woods. So by winning right. this tournament, that that ends that. He's gonna he's gonna get to to pick him. Nobody's gonna he's say playing. anything. The more interesting thing, because he is a goal oriented guy, was I was very surprised for him to come out and speak very highly about the Olympics and how much it meant to him because it has not been around. And, you know, it's one of the, it's basically the only thing that is in golf that he has not done. He was not basically able to do it the first time. That was when he was going through terrible back and neck pain. He wants to make it. It's actually a lot harder than people think because the most you can get on one country is four, and they have to be in the top 20. Well, unfortunately for Tiger in the U.S., there is a lot of top-ranked U.S. players. So he's probably going to have to be right. in the top six or seven in the world to guarantee being in that top four spot. And that's only if you can guarantee on like Rory and Rom and guys like that for staying in that top five, six. And he definitely wants to do that. And when I heard that, it really piqued my interest because as we've discussed, he's not going to play in a lot of tournaments. So the only way for him to move up the world ranking from where he already is, which is top, you know, 10, top 12 is to win tournaments. And, I mean, there he went. He went out and did it. It's, it's just absolutely uh, incredible. Real quickly, we, we did this last week, something I think I'm going to start doing. Over. Some quotes from the tournament. Gary Woodland was quoted as saying, the ball-striking performance, speaking of Tiger, I saw this week it was a joke. And he said, I don't see him stopping anytime soon. Rory, who I do believe him and Tiger are actually friends, said, it's great to see him healthy first and foremost. And then my favorite quote was when Tiger Woods was asked about the prospect of picking himself. He said, the, I think the player definitely got the captain's attention. Obviously, <laughs> joking that he's, he's picking himself. But it, it was a, a awesome week. I, I wish more golf was in prime time. I've said this for forever. I, I wish at least one or two majors was on the West Coast each year. There was nothing better. It was a little too late, but 
being able on yeah. Sunday after the one o'clock games to turn on golf, even for just seven holes and get to watch those guys, it's it's hard to beat prime time golf on the East Coast. Right, absolutely. I have one quick thing to add about Tiger, and then I'm done. My yeah. favorite all-time per- personal Tiger story. So I was working at Cali Gardens, and I'm working with an older guy. He's probably now he's in his 80s, but he was about 78 at the time. And he's worked at Callaway pretty much his entire life. And when they held, when you said Buick, it reminded me of it. When they held the Buick Challenge at Cowley Gardens, Tiger came for one practice round. He came for one practice round. Hooley, the, the older guy, was there working it, and he was standing on the, on the driving range, and Tiger and his caddy had just gone out and played the front nine. And they walked back to the range, and he was hitting some putts. And they were having a discussion. And he said, I don't think I'm going to play here this week. He said, call the jet. We're going, we're going back wherever. And his caddy goes, what are you, crazy? He goes, if I play here, I'll win my 30. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Hooley said, to this day, he said, I think Tiger was being dead serious. He said, he, I don't think he would have shot over 61 on this golf course. And I, was, and I played that golf course every day growing up, like, or in, once I got into golf. I've seen professionals play that course. They host Q School there. I've seen 11 under over four days win it. And to think that Tiger would have done that for that golf course absolutely blew my mind. Um, so, anyways, Tiger's the GOAT. I've said it. That's my personal story about Tiger. I, didn't, I wasn't there, but I trust the guy with my life. Really cool. Really cool story. Let's get into the rest of it, man. Let's do it. All right. So, we're going to move on to the end of the Asian Tour. Alan, are you on there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Uh, for y'all that listened last week, and I hope you did, uh, Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy on social media, a.k.a. IB Yeezus on the IB Sports page, uh, is uh, co-hosting AKA with us. A.k.a. second place. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? It's not too bad, though. And uh, I think some of your props hit, too, right? Yeah, uh, well, I had one prop hit last week. Last week was pretty rough, but I, I blame Tiger for cheating because clearly he was sandbagging, yeah. or I would have picked him. I mean, he was at 30 to 1 odds, and it was a pick between Tiger or Rory because I was like, I'm taking Hideki, obviously, but I had to pick somebody that played in the Skins game, and I was like, well, Tiger probably going to withdraw wrong. So, I well, heard about Justin it just shows there really is a disclaimer because, you know, you only did a podcast with me where I told you I really like Tiger at 35 to 1, and you, you've seen enough yeah. of my picks to say, you know what, that, but, that's a, a good, good that's call to go the other way. So between you and my friend Jeff, you guys pick Tiger Woods every single tournament. <laughs> His name is on Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And to y'all's credit, to y'all's credit, twenty percent of the time y'all's been right. I think that's pretty much what his. <laughs> so, I think that's how it that works. <laughs> so the uh, PGA Tour is wrapping up its three-week Asian Swing, which has been really cool with the WGC uh, HSBC in China this week. It's a seventy-eight-man field. It includes the world number two, Roy McIlroy the defending champ, Xander Shoffley. There's 34 of the top 50 in the world will be teeing it up. The coverage is Wednesday through Saturday, much like this last week. They're on the other side of the world, so 
Uh, it's going to be late night and a, basically a day uh, ahead over there. So you'll be watching a day behind. Um, do, Alan, you're the, the guru. What, what have you heard about the golf course and stuff? I know it's, it's a bomber's course. Is that correct? Yeah, so I, I'm going to ride with um, what Rory said last year. He described it as a uh, bomber's course. Um, and then one of the things that um, kind of stuck with me from one of his quotes I was reading is that it's really a golf course that it, it it's designed to be difficult, but it's also designed to challenge people to think. And it's not just a bomber's course per se. Um, there are holes that you can you can drop down a club, and it'll probably benefit you more based off of where where you're going to have your approach shot to the green than if you just flat out went with your driver. And then there are opportunities even to um, to take some of the risk out if you can if you can really get the ball um, off the tee and over the water or around bunkers. Um, so it, it's it's designed to be a bomber's course, but there's some flexibility in there. Uh, the the greens are also uh, slightly faster, from what I've been reading, um, than what most bent grass-based greens would be. Um, and then there's a lot of mixture of grass around the areas, like the rough, and even on some of the greens. So, um, like last week, I was big on like bent grass wind and all these other little like advanced stats. This week is is really about is really about who's in good form. And and who can avoid the water because that there's water in play on eleven holes, which is huge. Did I lose what your? What would point? be like? Okay, sorry. What what would be your like top ten and top twenties? I know that's it's normally how we break it down. And and right before we get into that, actually, these are going to be the Sabbath golf picks of the week. Me and Scott are going to give picks as well but you need to probably listen to Alan's a little bit more than ours. But Sabbath Golf is our sponsor. Please go to sabbathgolf.com, enter the promo code, the number two off the tee to receive 15% any off or 15% off on any and all uh, items that you purchase. So, Alan, go ahead. What, what's some of your top 10s and top 20s? I only have one, and then I, I had one guy that I picked for a winner. So I'm, I'm a little ticked because, like, my, my information that I usually use to get stuff um, figured out is not, like, available right now. So I'm a little worried. I might have to do this just, like, off the top of my head. Uh, one of my um, one of my favorite top 20s, um, I'm going to go with uh, Rafael Cabrera-Bello. Um, just he's at plus 135 right now. He has experience on this on this course in this tournament. I think the last three times he's played, he's hit top 20. Uh, he's even had a top five uh, in that mix. Um, he's he's in good form on the European tour. So, like, in this situation, you probably are getting uh, pretty good value on him because his PGA Tour numbers and stats are, like, they just look kind of bad. But his European tour and, and the fact that he's, he's good um, on this particular course, um, I think you're getting some really good value for him at uh top 20 top 10 um let me see my top 10 i was looking for something riskier on the uh top 10 and i'm gonna go with Corey connors i like his form right now uh he's at four to one and and it's gonna be one of those things you're probably gonna get a nail biter but i think he's got he's got the 
he's got the ability to to get the length on his uh, shots that you need to to really challenge some of these par fives and and even some of the longer par fours. And I and I really like his. I like the idea that I think we can see some eagles from him in situations where people probably wouldn't anticipate it. So at four to one and looking for something to be like or to slightly take a risk, I, I would like to play Corey Connors there. I'm actually going to put some money on that just to challenge myself and see if, if my hunch is right. But um, I like that. And then obviously um, a guy who's sporadic, but it's worth the shot, man. Three to one, Jordan Spieth in the top ten. I think it's worth the shot. Ooh. It's a risk. It's a it's a risk. It's a risk. That's my dog. Jordan Jordan Spieth is going to win some golf tournaments at some point this year, and it's one of those situations where you're gonna hate yourself for not picking him when you pretty much know that you'll never get value like this again when he wins again. Like I mean, I'm getting Spieth at fifty to one on some courses, man. Like. You would never see that a couple years ago. And I get it. He's been in poor form. But when a guy can consistently putt as well as he he does, at some point it's all going to come together. And I'm hoping, praying, that it's in one of these strong fields like we have this week. Because, I mean, you'll you'll cash, man. It'll be great. Because right now Xander is getting what Jordan Spieth used to get as far as respect on the betting lines. And, I, I mean, he's just, honestly, he's just, a bad or, or a good Saturday away from winning a tournament. Like that's literally what's killed him every time. And this event is another no cut event, so there's no pressure. So you have to you have to consider it. I actually love that. I've I've gotten to the point where with Spieth that I am on the other side of it. I've kicked him, picked on him, you know, all that stuff. And he he has too much talent and has proven too much. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that just goes away. And like what you're saying, I love that he's one of the few guys, like what Kevin Na did a few weeks ago, that his putter could get so hot that he literally could, you know, pick up seven, six, seven strokes on the field in a four-day event and totally get that. I'm going to real quick go over my top 20, top 10 guy, and then my winner will let Scott do the same and let you pick your winner, Alan. Uh, for my top 20, top 10 guy, uh, and maybe even a sleeper for kind of a long shot winner. I like Francisco Molinari. Uh, you know, yeah. when I see Bomber Golf Course, I typically think uh, Francisco Molinari. I don't know about you guys, but he, he had some success there. He uh, he won in 2010. I know. He, I think he had like a top five in 2016. And interestingly enough, it is a you know considered a bomber's course. But I was shocked when I went and looked at the winners. You had Xander, you know, he hits it a, a good ways. But then you got Justin Rose, not a bomber. Russell Knox, not really a bomber. I mean, even Hideki doesn't pound it uh, like some of the guys in the field. Obviously, Bubba won in 2014. That's a bomber. But I mean, I saw Molinari at plus five thousand uh, to win. And when you have a guy that has that kind of success. I almost wonder if this last season was not a case of he just had so much, you know, happen for him in 2018. And then, you know, we talked about it on the, the podcast, Scott, that it was such a gut punch for him to lose at Augusta. More than anything, because he yeah. had kind of got this, you know, stigma as this assassin, you know, the stone cold killer that once he kind of got the lead, it was over because he wasn't going to make any mistakes. And he did. I think he's changed caddies. 
uh, you know, he's made some changes, and, and kind of like what you're saying with Spees, I expect him to, to move back in the other direction. He's a grinder, man. He, he practices and works as hard as anybody on tour. And anytime I got, you know, those kind of odds with that kind of success, he's got a track record. I like him for both a top 10, top 20. And I also, you know, like I said, like him for a long shot. My winner, which I know you're probably going to kill me for this, Alan, but I got Tony Finau at plus 2,500. He finished second last year, and it's just we talked about this. He's so freaking due to just win a fucking tournament, Tony. Like, you know, you look at him and, and you watch him play, and it's hard to believe that he doesn't – he just doesn't win. And I, I just think back to the Ryder Cup uh, last year where we got drubbed, obviously, and he was the one bright spot. So he's obviously not opposed to going, you know, to other places of the world and playing good golf. You know, he had the four, what, top ten major finishes in 2018. 2019, honestly, was a little bit of a disappointment. And kind of like on the same line as I am with Francisco, I'm picking him to win this week, get his season started, and hopefully be the start of big things for Tony because I really do believe if he can just get a win, especially in a field like this where you got 34 of the top 50 players in the world, Maybe that could translate into him getting that kickstart and actually getting his career going, you know, the way we, we would like. What do you think about those picks, Alan? And we'll let Scott give his. Um, I mean, I like I like them. Um, Tony Finau's um, on my radar. Uh, I'm a big Finau fan. I've always liked Tony Finau on courses that are considered bomber courses because unlike some bombers, he's got the distance on pretty much every club, and his approach game isn't bad at all, actually. Uh, I think what really kills him is that he just he just can't score, man. Like, like there's certain times in the tournament where he just picks a bad time to just be average. Um, but overall, right. he's a good golfer, and he's definitely due. Um, I'm a little concerned with Molinari changing his, <laughs> his caddy just because – just because I just saw that alert like right before I came on the podcast, but at fifty to one, yeah. I was actually eyeing him as well. Um, just he's he's just a consistent golfer, and at some point he's got to shake that demon off. And in tough fields, in tough fields, and and I've also seen some people say that um, as far as the course toughness goes, uh, they've compared it to Augusta, and and I mean the fact that he did well there uh, last year um, is a good thing for him. Uh, for me, I hate to do it, but I got to go back to Xander for the repeat as one of my picks, just based off of how he played last week, and then he's coming to a course where he's won before, and he and he is very comfortable there. And at sixteen to one, he's he's overpriced, but I, I wouldn't say it's a whole lot or or that significant because he played really well last week. Um, and then I'm just gonna give you guys my long shot because I think it's absolutely hilarious, because I hate this guy. But let me get Bubba Watson at 110 for my long shot, man. I, hey, look, I've hit 100 to 1 before, and I and I keep trying it every every chance I get. And, I, I mean, the guy's won here before. He's the goofiest, weirdest golfer to me. I, I honestly what is can't his stand him. And I, 110 to 1 right now. Wow. And then uh, – he didn't play that great last week, but it's times like this where I've seen Bubba compete <laughs> like 110 to one 
and, and on a course that he's won before, like who knows, man, he might come in and actually be motivated, you know. And I like it, so I'm gonna get. Well, I'm gonna put him down as. Did. Yeah, I'm gonna put him down as my long shot. I mean, if it blows up in my face, it's not the worst one I've ever had before. But 110 to one, you gotta try it, man. I mean, ten dollars wins you a grand, so. Wow. Hell Scott, yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, buddy. I got all right. So I got three. Um, so my top twenty um, is my boy Golf Jesus that, that is no longer key since he cut his hair. It is Tommy Fleetwood. He has donated. that title. He rocks that shit. Yeah, it's donated. Yeah, sorry. Um, it, he dominates that shit. He runs it. He is four of five uh, of his last starts have been top twenty five, and he came in seventh here last year. Um, so he's playing good golf. Um, his form is right, and he had success at this golf tournament. Um, my top ten, who else? Motherfucking Rory McIlroy. Uh, he hasn't been outside the top 20 in any tournament in which he made the cut since Augusta of this year. So that's wow. like seven months. And he hasn't missed that many cuts either, if we're being honest. So, that I mean, top 20, he, he until he stopped top 20 – and like you said earlier in the podcast, backdooring in the top tens and top fives, I'm not going to stop betting him because the dude is uber consistent. And then um, thanks, Alan, for stealing my damn thunder. But my winner, <laughs> Callaway represent, uh, representative, uh, the Mr. Xander softly. Um, he's going back to back like he's Jordan 96-97 at the HSBC for Zan the man. Back to back, Callaway boy, he's played well here. I got him today at 14 to four. Um, uh, it's like you said, I think it's a little overpriced. I think you said it was 16 to one um, or uh, four to one. I mean, what'd you say? It was Alan. It was it's 16 to one on uh, my bookie. I'm I'm just using it in my bookie. Okay, No, what? 16 to one to outright win. I haven't placed that one yet. I've just placed um, top 20, which was 14 to four oh, okay. for Xander. Um, so I, I, miss, I misspoke there. No, it's not bad. Uh, I did misspoke there, misspeak there a little bit, but I think Xander has that it factor about him. And, and the best thing of your description of the golf course, Alan, for me that I think works best into Xander's hands is you said that it is a course that rewards you for being smart. It makes you yep. think around the golf course. And Xander is one of the absolute – he's one of the most consistent in the world, but he's also one of the absolute best at leaving himself in the right spots. Kind of like what Keith was talking about earlier with Tiger missing the right side of the fairway, not double-crossing, not going the opposite way. He knows where his ball's going, and therefore he has an advantage against that water and, in my opinion, against the field for this tournament. So I'm taking Xander to win at 16-1. to 14-4 would be top 20. Definitely take that. I, I think he's – I think I'm I'm pretty confident he's going to top 20 for sure. So the only other thing I want to talk about real quick, because, Alan, you would know this better than others, why is Patrick Reed 28-1? to 1? Is it just because he's one of the best players in the field, quote, unquote? Uh, actually, um, Patrick Reed is one of my sneakier, uh, like, plays as far as, like, looking at him. He's definitely on my radar, and I think the reason for that is – is despite what the course is as far as difficulty, people still haven't had uh, trouble scoring. Like, the, the winning scores have been pretty big. And Patrick is one of those guys that's really streaky. And, and on courses where you are where you have an opportunity to score big, he's never really out of it. 
because he can put together some some pretty big numbers um, when he gets going. And he's got the ability to, to drive it with the best of them at times. And then his approach game is probably the only real weakness that might scare you a little, but he's he's consistent. You know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't – he's not sporadic off the tee often. Um, and if maybe there was a couple more people like Brooks and, and some of our other top golfers, he'd probably be more around the 40 to 1 where he usually belongs, but I think in the field, 28 is is pretty is pretty accurate. Okay, I mean, that's what like I, I said be, before. I was looking at the odds. Yeah, he was the 10th. Well, like, he's like, say, he's running that 9th, 10th highest at, uh, odds. Yeah, and I was going to say, but, one of the uh, things that people have been saying a lot of times um, when I've been reading is that, like I said, the, the course is similar in difficulty to the Masters, um, Patrick Reed has a has a green jacket, um, and that's why I feel like Bubba is like super disrespected right now because everybody else has competed yeah, for a green jacket or has won a green ja- a green jacket is is rated pretty high, and then there's Bubba right. who's got two and he's at 110 to one like that's crazy. So um, I think um, a lot of that is is just playing off of that. Go ahead. Yeah, dude, I know what it is. They damn saw that shot that he took on three other fairways to get to the oh, destination yeah. of the green. And then, and he did it, and he did it, and then he three-putted for par. They they just said, you know, we're not even going to include him. where they can find that. Yeah, I oh, think I posted that, that too. Unreal. I posted that. It, I yeah. might have posted it in the IBM group, but I, I said something about him being a weirdo. He's so weird, man. Dude, that that was about – now, I get it. Use the golf course to your advantage. Hey, Keith, I actually thought of a whole – uh, what if you did that at 14 at Summer Grove? I think you could do it. But anyways, uh, he he take he takes that line, and it's not, it's not just that he takes a line. He chooses like a very small gap in those trees to go through. Like there was bigger gaps, and he didn't go through the bigger ones. He went through the one of the smaller gaps and just blasts it. But then he three putts for par. Like that's such a Bubba Watson thing to do. I feel like three putts for par. After hitting it into with that creativity, if you if you have not seen it, you seriously need to uh, check it out. I mean, it it literally the camera doesn't even know what to do. The announcers aren't really what to say. And my favorite part is the tee box is facing one direction. He pounds it the other way and just in typical, as you're saying, Alan, weird Bubba fashion, puts his hands in his pocket <laughs> and just starts strolling right through the trees. Uh, in the direction oh, dude, he hit, yeah. it's, it's a it's a very Bubba Watson moment. Well, Alan, we really appreciate you coming on. I really do. If if you're okay with this, I want to start making this a uh, definitely a, a weekly deal. We're going to try to start doing the podcast on Tuesday night, so that way you guys can listen. We can talk about the the tournament that happened the week before, and then give you some picks for the upcoming weekend. Again, a full disclaimer, Alan is the only of the three of us who is actually successful at gambling on golf. Now, I will say that your <laughs> boy did pick the Masters winner, the PGA, and the FedEx. But uh, that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's basically just if you pick a winner every week, you're going to get lucky every once in a while. But Alan really yeah. doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, but we really appreciate you coming on. Scott, uh, it's good to have you back. Glad to hear that the, the date went well, and maybe on another podcast we can do a Joker full-length <laughs> review uh, since you seem to enjoy it so much. 
uh, and we, we will catch up down. next week with you guys. Uh, so this is right, another edition of the Two Off the Tee podcast brought to you by Ivy Sports and Club Junkies and sponsored by Sabbath Golf. Guys, we'll see you soon. Keep them straight. Later. Later.